0: The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Thank you, Brother Dan. Holy, holy, holy God Almighty. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So before we get into our sermon, let's, let's open up with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for... Again, for this one, they you and praising your name, because it serves all the glory. It's a name above all names. And I ask that you be with us in your spirit as we go through this study today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you find Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to be in verse 7 today. And we're studying the Ten Commandments. Now, I know sometimes we think of the Ten Commandments as a negative way, so don't think of it as a negative way. Some of the commandments are negative, some of them are positive, but it takes a negative and a positive to give it power, right? I'm sure most of you got here by car this morning. You have what's called a battery, and your battery has a negative and a positive. If you put your hand on, on the negative, it's not going to really do anything. If you just put your hand on the positive, it's still not really going to do anything. But if you put your hand on the positive and the negative, it's going to curl your hair. Right. So the bottom line is this, God loves us, there's not rules to make us squirm like a worm in hot ashes trying to, you know, trying to keep them all, but these are laws for our own good, for our own welfare, and before we jump into it, um, if I told you I heard your name in the news this morning before I came to church, what would you do? Probably go home and do a little research, what was said about your name, right? And if I mentioned a name and say Bill Gates, what do you guys think of? Money. Microsoft. If I say Michael Jordan, basketball, right? If I say Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, I know there's a lot of Steelers fans in here, but but what I'm trying to say is names are important, and we can remember when someone who should known our name forgot it or mistaken. Our name for somewhere else, some somebody else, and you know, we had this emotion, we might have felt hurt, uncomfortable. And in fact, people go at lengths to protect their names. Uh, we have an entire branch of legal systems that exist, right? If there's I'm sure there's lots of newspapers and magazines and things like that got sued for libel because they printed an article about somebody, some celebrity, and some celebrity is protecting their name, they're suing because the name is important. And we try to clear up our name even when we're wrong, right? I'm trying to clear up my name for that speeding ticket I had two weeks ago. And Bible says in Proverbs 21, 22, 1, it says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. So names are important. And one of the duties as parents is to name their children, right? It's a difficult task. Try various combinations. You say them out loud. See how they sound. Right? If there's any nicknames out there, that might be teased. For Stella, Nutella. You know, I was kind of. We had. We went through the whole shebang, and. You know, we sometimes get to the hospital. We still don't know what to name the child, but one thing is for certain. Parents will do the naming. I didn't choose the name Cornet. <laughs> if that, you know, I'll let you in on a secret. All through high school, I had to tell everybody that my parents were hippies, and I don't know how they came up with that name. But one thing's for certain, human beings do the namings, and what that shows is an act of authority. It's an act of authority. The first parents exercise their God-given authority. And in the Bible, we see many times in the name and person was a serious event. Uh, Genesis 25, we see when Isaac's uh, wife, Rebecca, uh, had twins one was red one was hairy and so they named him Esau Jacob who means he was holding on to the heel and so forth we would know the story about Hannah she was a barren woman she prayed for a son and she named him Samuel Samuel means God heard me and and you know even Adam in the garden of Eden he named all the animals can you imagine that I had a problem naming one pet but he had to name all these species Behind this picture, though, very important point. Humanity had been given a dominion over living things, even animals and birds. We name them. We name our children. But yet there's one being that Adam or none of us could give a name to, and that is God. One of the remarkable things about God is that no one ever named Him. He does not let human beings name Him. Why not? One reason is because He is above us. He does not, the inferior, do not name the superior. Another reason is probably because we couldn't have a clue what to give Him a proper name. We don't know what to call Him. We do not tell God who He is. He tells us. God has His own naming rights And it's a sign of his sovereign authority. So this third commandment defends the honor of God's great name. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And the Bible has a great deal to say about the name of God. You see, the name of God always had to be revealed. We never can comprehend it by our own reason. And God reveals himself to us. It's the revelation of God's name, you know, gives us the definition of his character. Uh, God tells us what kind of God he is. Holy, 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 as we heard Dan playing today. The name of God tells us his character and I've written down several verses that I just want to briefly read to you before we get into our study. Look what says in Psalm 8:1. It says, "O Lord, O Lord, your Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens." Psalm 20: uh, verse 5 says, "We will rejoice in your salvation, and in the name of our God we will set up our banners." May Lord fulfill your petitions. In Psalm 111, verse 9, it says, He has sent redemption to his people. He has commended his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. And Isaiah 63, 16, talks about he's the eternal God. Doubtless, you are the father through Abraham was ignorant of us. And Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father, our redeemer from everlasting is your name. God reveals his nature to us. But... There, you know, I was studying. I was kind of trying to look it up the names of God. There's over 300 names for God in the Bible. So I hope you packed your lunch because we're going to look at each and single one of them. No, I'm kidding. But why does Bible give so many names to God? That's one reason, because we cannot adequately convey all that God is. The nature of God is so wonderful, vast, and it's tremendous. It takes multiple names to. Really identify them. Remember our uh, sermon series in the Christmas? We read in Isaiah 9-6. We talked about Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Just five names in just one verse. So what's in the name? As I mentioned before, the Bible, when children were born, parents would pray over those children and they would give them a child a name. So it will encompass a prayer and somewhat of a prophecy. And as a matter of fact, remember when Jesus was coming into the world? And if you look at Matthew 121, it says, And she will bring forth a son. It's angels speaking here. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, even here, God's not letting Mary and Joseph name the child. You will call him Jesus. And we'll talk about that. So the name Jesus means here, Jehovah saves. So what's in the name? What's in the name? That's the first point we're going to look at. There's personality in that name. He is a real person. He's not some some abstraction like we see some force you might see in Star Wars or something. He's a real person. He called himself the Lord your God. And when he uses that word Jehovah, he's not just saying I'm some force or abstraction. I am a person. Jehovah means he's an everlasting God who is a covenant keeper. It's a personal relationship with his people, the God who keeps his word. We talked about it a little in the first sermon. We were talking about his name is Elohim. What does that mean? He's the mighty one. It speaks of his strength, his power. And you put them together and he says, I am a covenant keeping God who has power to perform his word. I'm God who will never break my promise to you. I'm the Lord. Do not take my name in vain. There's power. There's power in the name you know there's powers in the name think of the most common name that we have today here besides god has power mom children fighting upstairs or whatever you know they, they run down mom you know he's beating me up tell him to stop hitting you you go in that room and you say mom told me you need to stop hitting me right where is where, that? He used, there's that power, but how much of it is it, there is in God's name? Not in the power in the magical sense, but behind the name stands the one who is all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing. The Bible speaks the power in the name of our God. Remember the story of David and Goliath? Well, if you don't, we're going to look at it. Over nine feet tall. I couldn't even scratch the top of his head. And he wasn't just skinny tall. He was big. He's the original Bigfoot. And there he was. Everybody's afraid of him. And he comes, little David, comes out against Goliath. Remember Saul said, put on some armor and all that kind of stuff before they send him out? He's like, no, i got to get out of this tin. It's, it's, I can't, I don't feel comfortable in it. So he lets all the armor go, and he goes out there looking like a little kid. Teenage boy. Bible says he was looking ruddy, so he's probably looking like a Calvin Klein model. You know, it's, it's Palestine. It's hot. He's Probably just got, I don't know, some sheepskin around him. He's going out there. Fuzz on his chin. Now listen to what Goliath said to David. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll read verses 42 through 44. And when the Philistine looked, at, looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only youth, ruddy, and good-looking. So, what? This is a man of war. So a Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give you flesh to the birds and the air and the beasts of the field. So he's saying, Sonny boy, I'm going to rip you up to shreds and feed you to the pigeons, right? Now I want you to listen to what David said. We're talking about the power in the name. Look at verse 45 and says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of a Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He said, This is, this is who I come in from. In the name of the Lord. Now you remember when David hit him with a head with a stone, and it was the first time probably anything like that entered his head, and Hit him right there, and David went down. I mean, uh, Goliath went down. What, what did David do? He took Goliath's sword and cut off his head. How did that happen? In the power of the name of our God, there is power in the name of our Lord, he, as well as personality. In John fourteen fourteen, it says, "If you ask anything in my name, I will do it." Colossians three seventeen says, "And whatever you do in the word or deed." Do all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God Father through Him. Everything we ought to do in power of His name. Go to work and empower His name. Do your homework and empower His name. Spank your children in power His name. There's power in His name if you only use it in an authorized way. That's what I want to clear up for you guys. In order for you to use the king's name, you must be under king's submission. You must be a, a citizen of his kingdom. Let me share you a scripture. And I shared with this in the past, but look at uh, book of Acts, chapter 19. Some background here. Apostles are preaching, baptizing, Holy Spirit descending on people. People are getting saved. And then in verse 11 says, Now God work unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And then you come down to verse 13, all these people are seeing what Paul is doing, and they said, some of the Jews exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. They took the name upon themselves. So when we just add a name of Jesus to something, when we take it upon ourselves, look what happens. Verses 15 through 16. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man and the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. These were counterfeits. You can't just attach the name of the king not belonging to the kingdom. They took it upon themselves. And the demon says here, Paul I know, Jesus I know, who are you? He attacks them. they got a big lesson. Now, to have authority, you must be under submission to a higher authority. So the devil is not a bit at least afraid of us. He's more clever than we are, and he's much stronger. So we can just add his name to whatever, and that's it. But not only there's power when we truly use it in an authorized way, there's also protection in the name. There's protection. Look at Proverbs 18.10. It says, The name of our Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. There's protection. There's a strong tower. And when you're on top of the tower, you can get a better perspective of what's going on around you too. Not only protection, there's provision in that name. Look at John 16, verses twenty three twenty four. It says, And in that day you will ask me, no, me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, Whatever you ask the, my Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Again, anything that you ask, not your, your wishes, not your desires, but in his will, anything that he has ordered, he can sign, you can sign his name to it. Order slip. God the Father will give it to you. There's also praise in that name. In Psalm 34, 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So all these things are in the name and more. You know, I don't have time to go over all the things. But how do we take this name in vain? How do we abuse the name of our God? Number one, profanity. One of the most ignorant things a person can do is profane the name of God. You know, unfortunately, man's language always included gutter talk. We see it everywhere. We see it in business more and more. I see it myself in business. People, when they do presentations, they feel some need to be cool or something. They just throw in curse words in God's name. Gutter talk, profanity seems to be rampant. It's just everywhere. Becoming more and more accepted by society. But when you take God's name in profanity, it shows two things. And don't get mad at me. You can apologize later. It shows an empty head and a wicked heart. Empty head and a wicked heart. And you'll see why. Because, you know, the Bible tells us in Matthew 12, 34, it says, For out of abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a profane mouth shows a profane heart. And what does it show about a man? It shows contempt for God. It shows contempt for God. A man that can take the precious name of Jesus, the Trite's holy name, and mix it up with some dirt, slime, sewer, and let it come out, some vile oath or anything like that. And, you know, sometimes I would rebuke a man for, uh, you know, for using God's name in vain and profanity, and someone, they'll say, I didn't mean anything by it. How can you take a name of our God, the, the name by which the blind were made to see, the deaf could hear, and dead were raised? There's no other name under the sun anywhere that... We're saved. Acts 4.12 says this, Nor there's salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men, which we must be saved. The name of Jesus, he takes that name and says, I didn't mean anything by it. You know what that means? He condemned it in his own court. Because he's basically saying, God is meaningless to me. I can take his name in vain because he doesn't mean anything to me. That's what vain means. Emptiness, worthless. It's no use. It shows rebellion against God. Why? Because he simply says it in black and white, in verse, verse 7, don't do it. You do it. That's just rebellious. Black and, print, black and white print doesn't need interpretation. It shows our rotten character. And a complete lack of understanding. And by the way, sometimes Christians, we fall into this trap. We would never use a cursed word of profanity, but we do what's called... Second-hand cursing. We do second-hand cursing. Euphemistic statements, you know, we say golly, gee whiz, gosh darn, heck, all these things. Who's, who used them? I used them. I'm guilty of it. And you know, these are just words, substitutes for God. Google will even tell you that. Look it up. Google it. Gosh is a substitute for God. G is a substitute for Jesus. Darn is a substitute for Damn. And a lot of people would be surprised if they knew what they were saying when they're really using secondhand cursing. It shows a lack of understanding. You know, another thing that shows a hatred for fellow men. You know, one of the things here in Ohio is, is Ohio State football. And I know you guys love it when they play Michigan, right? And you go to a football game or something like that and you want to be part of the Seen, but then you hear words like, go to hell, Michigan, go to hell, Michigan, why would you send anybody to hell? For, you know, we, we don't really think about it, but we're damning people, or everybody thinks it's funny, but it's not funny, because Jesus died in agony and blood to prevent people from going to hell, to help people, to give them a way of salvation, and a profound thought, like just, why would we even say that? So that's why I say profanity is just wicked and foolish. And, and and really, I'm not justifying sin at all. But I'm just saying if somebody steals something, right, that's a sin, but at least they get what they stole. If somebody committed, I don't know, adultery for a or or at least it satisfied their lust. What does profanity get you? Just judgment of God. That's all you get. It's a fool's sin. It's like a fish biting on a hook that there's... Nothing on there. There's no bait. It's just the empty hook. And the, another way we use God's name is fervorously. You know, we take... It's a little bit more than forfanity. We just take the name kind of carelessly or lightly. If you look at Ephesians 5 and verses 3 and 4, it says, But fornication, uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as in fitting for the saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, no coarse jesting, Which are not fitting, but rather given of thanks. That foolish talking right there, what does that mean? You know, I heard somebody, another pastor, he was making a joke and he was saying that God is up there, you know, playing golf and he always hits a golf, you know, like a hole in one. Those are just, those are not funny things. You can't use God's name to create a joke. Now, if you're trying to make an illustration, I'm all for humor, some of you know that, but if you're trying to make a point or illustration, that's fine. But just to make the fun of God or something like that, that, that's, that's using his name frivolously. We can't do that. God is not some old man upstairs that's sitting around that wants us to love him. Or he's not a, you know, what's common today is like, oh, he's our homeboy. He's not. He's a holy God. That's what we need to understand. Look how Moses and David uh, approach God or how they talked about God. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 58, 59, it says, If you do not carefully observe all the words in this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name. What's the name? The Lord your God. In Psalm 50, uh, verse 1, it says, The mighty one, God the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from rising sun to going down. Now, this is not talking about trembling fear. That's not what we're talking about. And we're not to be sitting here and God's going to hit us with the lightning. It talks about honor and respect and who God is. Another way we take his name in vain is hypocrisy. This commandment prohibits using God's name hypocritically. It forbids claiming the name of the Lord in a hypocritical way. You know, we we profess God, but we live some other life. Uses God's name to manipulate others. You know, we can't invoke God or Christianity to enable or to oppress, intimidate, hurt, exploit others because it's a violation of this commandment. And, you know, uh, this, we have to give an account to the claim because I see a lot of Christians just say, because God told me. They just add that God's name to whatever. Their project is, it's not, that's hypocritical. You know, I was talking to a gentleman on Friday, and he loves history, and he was talking about the Civil War, and one of the things he mentioned to me, there was a, you know, he pointed out was uh, Abraham Lincoln when there was the fall of Atlanta, and one of the ladies comes up to uh, Abraham Lincoln, and she says, Mr. President, I am sure that the Lord is on our side. He said, well... The important thing is to make sure we are important on God's side, not that he's on our side. So sort of, that's the sort of abuse, we, you know, our individual things, our individual projects, and we say, well, God is on our side, but are you on his side? We use God's name to make us look good, to further our own projects. So many of us want God just to rubber stamp whatever we're doing, our own ambitions, our own desires. But look at what Isaiah 48 one says. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and it had come forth from the wellsprings of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord, and make mention of the God of Israel. So good so far. But not in truth or righteousness. Not in truth or righteousness. You know, a lot of kids these days speaking to the youth, they're kind of tired because they see their Dad teaching the Sunday school class. He leads the prayer, takes the offerings, sings in the choir, and all those kind of things. And mama does that, and Dad does that. But they're phonies. They're hypocrites. And Matthew 7, 23 speaks to these peoples. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I will never you depart from me. You practice lawlessness. We can dishonor God's name without even speaking a word. Titus 1.16 says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him being abdominal, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. And Paul addressed this problem in Romans as well. In Romans 2.23-24, You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemous among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. The world sees people who profess Jesus Christ as their Savior, God's people, and we're involved in some scandals. How many pastors we see involved in scandals these days? And that makes them speak evil of God. We're to protect God's reputation. We're our ambassadors of Christ. If you look at 2 Corinthians 5.20, says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as through God we're pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We need to live our lives in such a way that believers, we do not offend God or others by our behavior or attitudes. Our conscience needs to be clear in this matter. Those claim Christians but persistently sin give evidence that they're taken to God's name in vain. And I think I used an example here before of Alexander the Great when they brought a thief to him and he said, What's your name? He said, Alexander. He ordered the name be changed. He said, Either change your name or change your ways. And that's what we need to do. We have to protect the name of God. When you pray in the name of Jesus, don't just forge his name there somewhere. You know, you all you want, selfishly a prayer, and then say, in Jesus' name. We come sing here, worship God, but you don't mean it? That's also taking his name in vain. Oh, Lord, how I love you and all that. Do you? Don't sing it. Because you're being a hypocrite. In Matthew 15, 8, 19, it says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and, they, and in vain they worship me, teaching the doctrines of the commandments of man. So you're taking God's name when you're do it by profanity or using it in a hypocritical way or frivolously. And Scripture's clear. God will avenge the person who insulted his holy name. He will. And as a matter of fact, in Psalm 139 verse 20, it says, You are enemies of God, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. And the commandment clearly says, the Lord will, hold him, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So, we take his name in vain. So, that's the negative, right? So, enough of the negative. How do we take his name in victory? So, we got the abuse of the name. So, how can we, how can we use his name properly? Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. That's taking his name in victory. Do you know what the last name of God is? The last name, not like the last name, but what the final name of God is in the Bible? Jesus. That's it. It it summarizes all names into one. It means Jehovah says, All of God, all of the names of God are compressed into that one name, Jesus. So what are we supposed to do with that name? We're supposed to wear it if we're Christians. If you look at Acts eleven twenty six, 26, this is where Barnabas went and got Paul, uh, Saul, Paul now. And then when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was for the whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So if you're properly using it, you should be wearing it. You should be ashamed of it. And in 2 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and says, 2 Timothy 2.19, nevertheless, a solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. So when you wear the name, you you got to walk the talk. You're a Christian. Whose are you? You belong. You're no longer yourselves. You belong to Him. You were brought with a price. You wear His name. Secondly, you're to share His name. That's an obligation. Let me give you one verse here in Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 16. And it talks about people getting together, and look what happened here. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So they're all together, worshiping, sharing his name, and Lord listened to them. So the book of Remnants was written before him, and for those who feared the Lord and who meditate on his name. God has three books. The relation is the Bible, tells us everything. There's a Lamb Book of Life, and there's a Book of Remembrance. God's written things down. He sees us here today, fellowshipping, praising His name. Now, what's all involved in this person? Not to take His name in vain. We have to have fear of the Lord. Again, not trembling fear. But come to him with reverence, respect. And Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. One of the wonderful exercises you can do in your home with kids is teach them the name of God. Jehovah Elohim. What does that mean? Jehovah Shema. What does that mean? All those names are in the Bible. Teach them the names of the Bible. Because Psalm 9.10 says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Teach your kids the name of God. God's got a name for every situation. And when you come to church, we need to share about the Lord Jesus Christ. We already read in Psalm 34.3, it says, Magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. You need to come into fellowship with other Christians. Hebrews 10.25 says, For not uh, forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together in the matter of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Some of you will come to church. You'll be down. Somebody's up. Somebody will have a question. Somebody will have an answer. That's what we're doing here. We're sharing. We're fellowship. So not only sharing and wearing, but you have to bear the name. You have to bear the name of Christ. Did you know that most precious name is Jesus? And the most hated name in the world is also Jesus. Why? I can't believe it, but it is. And I want to look with you in Acts 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 40 through 42. talks about bearing the name of Jesus. And they agreed with him. And when they called the apostles and beaten them, They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Did you hear that? They were bearing the name. Just because they got beat up didn't stop them. Just because we have... Little conflicts in our life or little roadblocks, they did not stop. And folks, I can go on and on on taking God's name in vain. But I think it's pretty clear. We need to learn to bear the name. We shouldn't be afraid to say you're a Christian. Somebody asked me publicly, are you a believer? That thought they were going to point me out this Friday. Yes, I'm a believer. Let me tell you why. Next time, don't ask. <laughs> and, you know, I was reading about General uh, William Booth, who founded the Salvation Army. And he was on his dying bed, and the attorney said, hey, kids, and, and to the wife, you know, you, your father still needs a form to sign. If you get him to sign it, it'll make things a lot smoother after his passing. Instead of going through all the legal jumbo-mumbo. And they went to their father and said, Dad, can you sign this piece of paper and make things easier for us after you're gone? And he signed it. And they didn't really pay attention to it. But when he passed and they started looking at the paper, true story, do you know, you know what he wrote down? He didn't sign his name. He signed Jesus. You see, when we come, when we're faced... Uh, at the end of the life and one of these days I'll share the story with you I'll kind of get emotional but I met a man this Friday very very rich man but he's at the end of his life none of that matters none of it matters matter of fact he says I want to be a believer I don't know how and he's talking to me when you come to a point which we're all will And these things will be coming very soon. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Everybody will confess willingly or unwillingly that Jesus is Lord. And folks, we are saved by that name. And you know, for modern America to begin to understand this commandment, I would say is to treat God's name as trademark property. It's trademarked. If I come out and use Nike in a way they don't agree, I guarantee you they'll be protecting their name, right? God has graciously licensed the use of his name to anyone that will use it according to its written instructions we find in scriptures. It needs to be understood that God still retains legal control over his name and threatens serious penalties if you don't use it the proper way. Just like we would in a real word, All trademark violations will be prosecuted to fuel full limits of the law. He's the prosecutor, judge, and jury. God's name is sacred. It is holy. It's righteous and pure. And think about it. Omniscient, all-knowing. He's to be worshiped and praised. And we would never should be using his name frivolously or meaningless way or profane way. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. Are we using God's name in vain? Think about it. Analyze it. Positive and negatives in commandments, right? Think about it. Are we using secondhand cursing? How many of you like secondhand smoke? I don't wish that stuff blowing in my face. God doesn't wish secondhand cursing blowing in his face. Are we using his name, or are you trusting in that name? You take honor in that name that keeps us from all evils from this world. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder to us today that your name is our refuge, and we are not to take your name in vain. I pray for those that do not know you as Savior, that you will continue to work in their hearts through your spirit, and that they come to you and knows you, are Lord, the Savior of their life. And, Father, I pray that you be which, with each of us as we leave this place, and I ask that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray, amen. All right, thank you,